Hello, and welcome to Campus Crime Chronicles. I'm your host, Nicole Turner, college professor, PhD student, and true crime addict. In every episode of this podcast, I take a deep dive into some sort of true crime that occurred on a school campus or is associated with a college or university in some way. For each episode, I rate the seriousness of the crime from one to five on my very own serious crime scale, with one being completely not serious, possibly even a little humorous from time to time, to five being very serious. This episode is rated a three and also a two. That's right. This week, I have a double rating because I have two different stories to tell you. Both stories, however, are about a professor's worst nightmare coming true when a distraught student decides to take revenge. In both situations, the professors escaped their situations relatively unharmed, hence the ratings of three and two, but not without some disturbing emotional trauma that they likely endured, especially in the first story that I'm going to tell you. This week's episode is titled, Stalked by a Student. So without further ado, let's get started. The first story, which is rated a three, takes place in Fresno, California in December of 2020. It's about a student at Fresno City College and his instructor. Now, this case is actually still pending, so the instructor has not been officially identified by name in any type of police documentation or any kind of media that has been available to the public. But we do know the victim of this crime is a former female professor at the college, at Fresno City College. So during this episode, I will refer to the victim as the professor or the instructor instead of by her name. So moving on with our story, the student was a 55-year-old man by the name of Rodolfo Brambilla. You might immediately notice his age is not what you likely pictured when I said college student. So clearly he was classified as what we in higher education call a non-traditional student. This is actually not uncommon at all for a community college like Fresno City College or a junior college. But anyway, this guy must have had some sort of a decent rapport with his professor because we do know that he had her number and she had his number, which again, it's 2020, 2021. So that's not uncommon either. But we know this because at some point during the semester toward the end, Brambila began sending odd text messages to the professor. The Fresno Bee reported that Brambila sent her a text on November 23rd of 2020 that read, quote, I can't take it anymore. I'm about to do something unthinkable, end quote. Apparently, he wanted to meet up with her to discuss something urgent, and he pleaded with her to meet with him. But the instructor, of course, did not feel comfortable with this at all. And she told him that, point blank, that that was not something she felt comfortable doing. But she did suggest he see a counselor or a doctor. Her text reply stated, quote, Please consider doing this. I'm happy to help you find the resources you need, end quote. 
But Brambilla continued to insist that she meet with him, but she didn't budge. She even praised him for having done, quote, excellent work in class this semester, end quote. She still encouraged him to seek help. He then responded by telling her she was a good teacher, but a, quote, crappy friend, end quote. Um, okay, dude, professors aren't there to be your friend, man. We are there to mentor and educate you, but definitely not there to be pals. So kick rocks, dude. That's what I would have said, most likely, or something along those lines. But she kept her composure and sent very professional, appropriate texts when responding to his not-so-appropriate ones. After the text exchange between the two of them, the professor reported him to the dean of the college, which is exactly what I would do too. Then, about a week after that, Brambilla did something that no sane person should ever do. He somehow discovered where the professor lived and showed up at her house. Y'all, this would scare me to death if one of my students randomly showed up at my house. First of all, how in the world did you discover where I lived? And secondly, what the hell do you want that can't be sent in an email or a simple visit during my office hours? I, I'm just saying, I would be so creeped out, and so was this professor. When he got to her house, he waited outside for the professor's mother to leave. Then he went and knocked on her door. She was home alone at this point with her two small children, and of course she refused to answer the door or let him in. She told him repeatedly that he needed to leave until he finally did. But as soon as he was gone and out of sight, the instructor ran to her neighbor's house to call police. At the time, apparently her cell phone was broken, so she had to go next door to use their phone. All seemed okay after this, until Thursday, December 10th, a couple weeks later. Brambilla showed up to the professor's home again, but this time he didn't knock on the door. Instead, he got there early, before 9 a.m., and hid out in her backyard with a gun. <sighs> Y'all, this is already just giving me anxiety just telling you guys, because if this happened to me as a professor, I would freak out so bad. And wait, it gets worse. That morning, the professor's two young daughters went outside in the backyard to play. Thank goodness he kept out of sight, at least until the professor appeared. In her report to the police, the instructor said, quote, when I went into my backyard, Mr. Brambilla confronted me with a firearm. He assaulted me and threatened me in front of my daughters. I fought back and injured my hands and suffered scratches and bite marks. I was scared for my life and my daughter's lives. End quote. Luckily, the Fresno City College instructor lived in a really friendly, close-knit neighborhood where everyone knows everyone and they kind of look out for each other. And all I can say is thank God for amazing neighbors. Because when all of this went down in the backyard, people in the neighborhood took notice. One girl, a teenager, called her dad, who was a retired Tulare County Sheriff's deputy who had just left the house for work. According to YourCentralValley.com, the news website for KGPE in Fresno, that former deputy was Luke Fisher. He said his daughter called him and said, quote, something bad is happening outside, end quote. 
So he turned around and went back toward his home to try and assist with the situation. When the retired deputy arrived to his neighbor's house, he and another neighbor, who also actually had law enforcement background as well, both wielded their own firearms and kept Rambila's focus on them until police arrived. At some point, ABC 30 Action News reported that Rambila had the professor in a headlock with a small caliber gun to her head. All I can say is that I would be scarred for life if that happened to me, and I can't imagine all the feelings and emotions that were running through the victim's head during that whole time. When police did arrive on scene, he finally ended up surrendering, but not before Brambila told them to, quote, pound sand, end quote, instead of identifying himself. Shortly after, though, police took control of the situation, thank goodness, and they cuffed Brambila and took him into custody. Let me tell you what else they found with Brambila. This guy had a backpack with him that contained handcuffs, zip ties, duct tape, and he was wearing some sort of improvised body armor that he, like, made himself. There is no telling what all this guy had planned to do, but it wasn't anything pleasant or legal, that's for sure. It's like he was carrying around a murder starter kit. <laughs> anyway, police charged Brambila with several felonies, including kidnapping, assault with a firearm, false imprisonment with violence, stalking, and carrying a loaded firearm in public. According to YourCentralValley.com, police also discovered that Brambila did have a minor criminal history and that he was possibly even homeless at the time they took him in. Shortly after this whole incident, the Fresno Bee reported that another instructor at Fresno City College had several odd encounters with Brambila as well. Apparently, she gave a statement that said he publicly berated her for how she was teaching her class and that he also made some female students in the class very uncomfortable. This particular instructor also described a creepy incident that she had with him on a Zoom class. You know, the video program that COVID-19 forced every single educator in the world to start teaching their classes from. But anyway... During one Zoom class session, Brambila told her he could hear the train in the background of her screen and her computer, basically hinting and implying that he knew where she lived. Again, can we say creepy AF? Shortly after he was taken into custody for trying to kidnap his professor, Fresno City College did what any institution should do in a time like this, and the college filed for and was granted a restraining order against Brambila on behalf of three of their staff members, which included the two professors I've told you about. That means Brambila had to stay at least 500 yards from their work and homes, and he couldn't have any contact with them whatsoever. Thank God, right? After Brambila was thrown in jail and charged with all those felonies, his bail was set at $630,000. In a January 9th, 2021 article in the Fresno Bee by Robert Rodriguez, apparently Brambila chose to represent himself in court against all his charges. He told the judge that he did not want a lawyer because he had already defended himself in a few other cases. Um, okay, dude. And I'm sure the judge had similar sentiments as me because Judge Timothy Cams told Brambila, quote, This is an extremely serious case and your exposure numbers are really, really high. Knowing that, do you still want to represent yourself? End quote. And Brambila said, yes. 
here's the thing. They had no idea how exactly he was going to do this and attempt to build a case from inside the prison walls because stuff like flash drives and CDs or any kind of documentation like that are actually not allowed in jail. So basically, he wouldn't be able to collect any evidence. But whatever, dude. I say whatever floats your boat and more power to you, especially if it's just going to put you right back in jail. The last thing that any media outlet reported on Brambila was from that January 9th article in the Fresno Bee, which also said Brambila was expected to enter a plea on January 28th. However, I couldn't find anything else on this case or this story since then. What happened after his plea? Did he plea? Did he actually end up representing himself? But I found nothing. So I did some more digging and did an inmate search on the Fresno County Sheriff's Office website, and he apparently at some point did make bail, although it doesn't say specifically when he did so. But I called the Fresno County Sheriff's Office just to see what was up with all this, and they told me his next court date has actually been pushed all the way back to September 8th of this year. So literally just in a couple weeks. That is all the information they would give me since this case is still open and pending. So, yeah, now we are just waiting. And as soon as I hear some updated info, I will definitely share it with all of you. But I can't imagine how on earth this guy won't officially be found guilty of at least some of those felonies and sent right back to the slammer where he belongs. And that brings us to the end of the first story in this episode. The next story isn't quite as emotionally traumatic, in my opinion, and I'm sure y'all will think so too once you hear the story, but that's why I rated it a two. It takes place in Greensburg, Philadelphia at the University of Pittsburgh, Greensburg. According to our handy Google search, the Greensburg location is a baccalaureate degree-granting satellite campus of the University of Pittsburgh. That's just... (laughs) A really fancy way of saying it's a four-year university that grants bachelor's degrees to students who are not actually located in Pittsburgh. Anyway, this is the story of Dr. Carrie Holsworth, a 70-year-old associate professor of biology and a 23-year-old former University of Pittsburgh student whom the professor taught by the name of Mustafa Algasas. On January 16, 2015, the professor returned to his home in the Brookline neighborhood of Greensburg. According to Pittsburgh's Action News 4, when Dr. Holsworth arrived home, he immediately noticed that some of his personal items were either missing or moved. In an article by Megan Guza for Trib Live in Pennsylvania, some of the missing items included his iPad and two checkbooks. Then, the professor looked over and saw his computer monitor and a random black backpack, which wasn't his, near his front door. All of this clearly alarmed the professor, so he quickly picked up his landline in his home to call police. But, as I've said before, (laughs) like a scene straight out of a horror film, the professor's home phone line had been cut. What? Who even does that anymore? Either way, I know that this is when my panic level would immediately go from about 0 to 60 in about 1.5 seconds if something like that happened to me. But luckily this fellow kept his composure and when he realized he wasn't going to be able to call out on that phone, on his home phone, he just used his cell phone instead to call 911. 
Action News 4 in Pittsburgh reported that the professor returning home actually startled the burglar, whom nobody knew was a student at this point, and the guy ran off when he heard Dr. Holsworth return home unexpectedly. Notice I said unexpectedly. Well, that's because this kid, this student, had actually been stalking the professor for quite a long period of time, as in long enough to know what times the professor came and went from his house and when he went to and from work on campus. So when the professor returned home, it was during a time that the student thought the professor was not going to be around. This literally makes me sick to my stomach. Just the thought of being watched and stalked is creepy. I mean, am I right? Anyway, when police arrived, they obviously went through the backpack the suspect left behind in the midst of his rushed exit. And you are never going to believe what they found inside. Okay, wait, you probably will believe it because after all, this is a true crime podcast, but it's still disturbing to say the least. Inside was a notebook labeled Book of Destiny, and in that notebook was a drawing of a machete-looking thing, which also came equipped with diagrams of chopping someone up. Oh, and they also found a receipt in the backpack for duct tape and wire, and then there was also a list that detailed Algasas's plan to burglarize and attack other potential targets, including other professors from the university. There were even details listed out of what all he was going to do to Dr. Holsworth, including cutting him up and disposing of him. If that doesn't make your skin crawl, then I don't know what does. Moving on with the story, though, police were led to Algasas relatively quickly. First, by the notebook, which had the dude's name in it, and second, a friend or acquaintance of Algasas came forward to university police and told them some pretty troubling news. He said Algasas asked him to be an alibi witness for him, as in say he was with him during the time he was burglarizing the professor's house. Trib Live reported this friend's name to be Anthony Myers, who told police that Algasas asked him to say he was being tutored by Algasas in an organic chemistry lab at the time of the burglary. But that's not all. Listen to this. Myers also said Algasas told him that he was involved with a group of people doing robberies and that he had already hurt and killed people in previous instances. Um, WTF. However, even though this friend came forward and told police that, they really had no way to actually prove Algasas was telling the truth that he had indeed killed people. So basically, the only charges filed against him were the ones involving Dr. Holsworth, according to Action News 4 in Pittsburgh. Regardless, police were on his trail and Algasas was charged with stalking, burglary, and theft. Then, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that Algasas surrendered to police a week later, but he was let out on a $20,000 bond. Apparently, police never connected him to any other major crimes because the University Times, a faculty and staff newspaper at the University of Pittsburgh, reported that in January 2016, Algasas pleaded guilty to all three charges. He was sentenced to 6 to 12 months in prison and three years probation on his burglary charge, 
two years probation for stalking and one year probation for theft. Also, I guess he was originally charged with a second count of theft as well, but that was dismissed by the judge presiding over his case. Beyond his sentencing, there isn't a lot of other information out there about Algasas, but I did discover that he did graduate from the University of Pittsburgh with a bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry, and as of 2018 and 2019, he was working at a nonprofit called Resources for Human Development in Philadelphia. According to the organization's website, it is, quote, a national human services nonprofit with the broadest possible service mission, and it specializes in creating innovative, quality services that support people of all abilities wherever the need exists, end quote. Apparently, also, according to my research, Algasos was, and possibly still is, a certified peer support specialist for that nonprofit. And I know this because he is listed as a speaker for both the 2018 and 2019 Annual Case Management Conference for the National Association of Case Management. In one of the biographical sketches, it states, quote, Mustafa Algasas is a graduate of mental health court and a certified peer support worker at Resources for Human Development. Mustafa has a bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry. He has experience in tutoring undergraduate biology students at the University of Pittsburgh and running groups at mental health centers. Untreated before he began his recovery journey, he had trouble in many areas of life, including legal problems. End quote. That's a pretty long biographical sketch. <laughs> and legal problems, to me, is an understatement. But in all honesty, this just shows you that you can do some really dumb stuff in college, as in burglarize a professor's house, and still come out on the other side. So thank goodness for growing up and maturity, right? <laughs> I mean, I have to admit that I do think it's pretty cool that this guy turned his life around and still bounced back to do some good in the world. Okay, y'all. That brings us to the end of Chronicle 13, but let me know what you guys think about this episode. You know, where you get two stories in one, each with a different rating, but with the same theme. Also, I'm 99% sure that this was the first two I've ever rated. So now I have officially rated episodes at each number on my scale from one to five. That's just a little quick fact for you. Oh, but you guys, I don't think I could end this episode without... Just kind of saying what I need to say as a professor, but let me just tell you that these stories kind of creep me out because I've worried that students will take revenge because of a bad grade or something like that. But I kind of always just thought it would be like toward my car or something, you know, that they'd see me pulling up, figure out what car I drive and then go key my car slash my tires because I gave them a bad grade. <laughs> but never Ever did I think I'd be stalked or harassed or burglarized or held at gunpoint because of it. So my heart really goes out to both of the professors in this episode today. Okay, y'all, before I officially close out this episode, I just want to remind you guys of my goal of getting to 100 reviews by the end of the year. Yep, by December 31st, 2021, I'm trying to get to at least 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Right now, I have like maybe 31. So I maybe have what, like 69 more to go? So let's make this happen. <laughs> okay, bye for now. <laughs>